0: CBS Sports Basketball Analyst Avery Johnson on the podcast, and I was on the postgame show. This is Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. I'm J.P. Chunga on the Utah Jazz Podcast Network, presented by First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz, and MLS number 3112, equal housing lender. I did pre have and post on the radio last two games against OKC in San Antonio, and if those games proved anything to you, it's that the Jazz will be in this play-and-hunt for the rest of the year. Doesn't matter what happens, when it comes to the roster, somebody's down, somebody else steps up, and for the last couple games, it's been tailing Horton Tucker. I don't want to steal the thunder of a couple of the good post-game show segments that I did. Shout out Alex Curie, Jake Scott, who I worked with on those two games if you've already listened to that and now you're listening to the podcast, it, you might OD on JP. But that's okay. Leave five stars. Nice reviews. That's all I ask of you. And make sure to check out this interview with Avery Johnson, former coach in the league. He also worked in college basketball at Alabama where Colin Sexton got his start. So here are the background info on one of the hardest working players on the Utah Jazz Colin Sexton. It's me on the post game and Avery Johnson on Roundball Roundup on UtahJazz.com.
1: When it comes time to move, it's always a hassle. Loading everything in the truck, hoping the priceless antique from your mother doesn't break, and trying to juggle the kids and dog in the middle of it all is enough to drive anyone crazy. But it doesn't have to be that way. The friendly, background-checked movers at Bailey's Moving & Storage have the expertise to move your family across town or even around the world. So when it's time to move, think Bailey's Moving & Storage. Call today at 801-218-2640 or check them out online at baileysallied.com.
2: Yeah, I met Colin when he was a sophomore in high school. He was participating at one of our team camps and uh, man, he was just a blur. He was fast, uh, could just play on both ends of the floor. Uh, a kid that was very energetic and, and uh, just had an amazing uh, court presence and uh, had a chance to build a relationship with he and his family. And um, we've we've been a pretty close knit group ever since. Um, he changed uh, basketball uh, forever in the life of uh, college basketball at Alabama, uh, because Colin became a five star player. Uh, he he made it cool to go to Alabama and play basketball, and a lot of those kids that are there now, uh, they definitely look up to him. So it's just been a joy to get to know. Uh, We've had a lot of just phenomenal moments together, and I'm glad to see that he's continued his upward trajectory uh, in the NBA now playing for the Utah Jazz.
0: And I feel like now is a good time to talk to you because his effort level and the way that he wants to work out all the time is a good time to talk to you because I'm sure he's chomping at the bit being injured, wanting to get, get out there on the floor. How do you as a coach harness that to make him realize, hey, we need you to sit down right now as we try to get you healthy so that you can play later?
2: Well, that's one of the areas where Colin matured, especially um, at Alabama, uh, working with the just amazing training staff that we had. Um, so he built a really strong trust with the training staff and and they, they convinced him that, hey, sometimes you have to take care of your body. You need a maintenance program when you're not playing. You can't be on all the time. Uh, You need to stretch. You need to go through all of the different treatments. And so I I think uh, even though he loves to play, he loves to work out, I think he's really matured in that area of body maintenance, mental, physical, uh, to make sure that uh, he he plays to the best of his ability.
0: Were there some times when he would come in, in the middle of the night to the Alabama facility? Because here at the Jazz, he posted the other day at 2 a.m. that he was working out.
2: Basketball is his life. He's he's married to the game. And he's not posting that because he's trying to get on our attention. He's just letting everybody know that, um, you know, hey, it takes a level of commitment. And, and he's also showing his teammates that he's really committed to being you know, on top of his game, he knows he's got to continue to develop and improve. And, you know, you don't do it sitting behind a computer. You don't do it in the nightclub. Uh, you don't do it sitting on your couch. You do it in the gym. And uh, he loves the gym. And uh, he he's a guy that can spend time in there 24-7. So I think uh, if his teammates are ever doubting, is he putting in the work? There should be no doubt.
0: What did he show you in that three versus five game that he was out there on the floor?
2: That he can be a one man wrecking machine, that he's fearless. He, he He's tenacious. He's not going to be intimidated by any situation. And, you know, that was a situation where we, I know almost is a optimum word, but we, we, all, we could have won that game. And I think that would have went down in history is arguably the best basketball win in college basketball history, but. Colin, you know, really took over that game, dominated. It was fun to watch. It was fun to coach. And, you know, there are not many people in the country in college basketball in that situation that wouldn't have basically surrendered, but not Colin Sexton.
0: How have you seen him develop from where he was when he left college to where he is now in the pros?
2: Well, I just think, you know, overall, his game – um, You know, he's getting his teammates more involved. Um, I think there's a trust factor where he understands he doesn't have to do it all by himself. And he's playing with other exceptional, uh, extraordinary players. So I think there's a level of trust where, you know, maybe I don't have to go one on three or one on four. I have other guys on the team that can make plays. So I, I like the way he's expanded his game and continue to get better. In making um, making his teammates better, even if that doesn't lead directly to an assist, he's just making the right plays.
0: How fast do you think he is compared to other players that you played with? Man, when
2: I, I was thinking about this during the time when I coached him, um, I, I've played against some fast guys, whether it's the Kevin Johnsons of the world. Um, you know, Speedy Claxton was Speedy. <laughs> there, there's been some guys over the years that could really accelerate the Latrell wells You I know, mean, those guys can, from one end of the court to the other, but with, with or without the basketball, Colin is up there in the top three. Um, he, you know, this guy just has a gear and another change of gear, another change of gear that's just unheralded.
0: He's always had this motor, right?
2: Yeah, he's always had a high motor. Um, you know, from the first day that I met him, He's he's never been a low motor guy. He's always played with a lot of energy and speed and flash and uh, power, athleticism, um, and and you know as he's continued to get better, he knows when to change gears and change speeds and um, you know and 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 you know Will Hardy has a kid that wants to be coached, um, and and I I just think that's going to be a, a hopefully a long term mutually beneficial relationship.
0: How advantageous is that as a coach to have a player that wants to be coached?
2: Oh man, on any level, if you want to be coached, if if you're not a locker room lawyer, you 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 protect the coach, you protect the culture. Uh, and Colin wants to win. He doesn't. He he didn't sign up in the NBA just to sign a big deal. He wants to win. He wants to. He he wants to be a part of the playoffs. You know, when we were at Alabama, he just didn't come to Alabama to put up numbers. He wanted to go to NCAA tournament. And he single-handedly beat uh, Texas A&M at the buzzer in the SEC tournament, which subsequently led us to beat Auburn by 20 points and uh, got us in the tournament. We upset Virginia Tech in the first round and lost to the eventual champions, Villanova, Wildcats. But he, he wanted to be in that NCAA tournament and be on the big stage. Played against Jalen Brunson, so that gave him confidence that when he went to the NBA, he could play against anybody.
0: Does he have that mentality that he could he could be with anybody when it comes to an NBA floor?
2: Yeah, Colin. There's no there's no person on the face of this earth that that would ever play in a basketball game that would ever intimidate him. He doesn't. He doesn't have an intimidating bone in his body. He really thinks. He, he's he's the king of the court, and um, that's what I love about him. Uh, sometimes people say, "Well, that could be a disadvantage, because players tend to try to do too much." Man, give me a lion that I have to calm down, then somebody that I have to turn up. Uh, so that's that's what I love about him. He's he really has a high level of confidence, self confidence, which uh, which is a good characteristic to have.
0: Now let me tell you about First Colony Mortgage. They've been serving the lending needs of Utah for more than 35 years. As a mortgage banker, First Colony Mortgage offers advantages over other lenders. Not only do they process mortgages, they also underwrite, fund, and close mortgage loans all in house. Their expert team is ready to help you with your home financing needs. Just check them out. First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz.
2: I was with pop yesterday. Uh, We both had to speak at our first boss of the Spurs, Red McCombs funeral in uh, San Antonio. And uh, just looking at him, he's still, you know, energized and, you know, teaching these young guys. It's a a team that's in transition. This is, they're not a playoff team. They're a team that uh, that's going to end up, you know, with one of the worst records in the NBA, if not the worst record, but they understand where they are during this season of their uh, life of the program, but it's been a program over the last 25 years plus. That's been a model of consistency overall. With five championships, six NBA finals appearances, and uh, Pop is you know going into the Hall of Fame, and and um, and fortunately he's going in uh, when it's finally announced uh, with Dirk Nowitzki, who I had a chance to uh, coach. But the main thing is. He's He's been the armor bearer. He's been the leader, he and RC, of that program for 20-plus years. And um, fortunately, they've turned it into championships. Coach Sloan obviously didn't have a chance to win a championship, but he did it at a high level for a long time with Stockton and Malone. And um, it's something that's going to be hard to recreate, uh, especially in this new generation of player movement. And uh, wanting to join forces uh and being able to build your team through a draft with a lot of sometime impatient uh ownership groups.
0: What do you think makes Greg Popovich a Hall of Famer?
2: I mean, look at his look at his record. <laughs> I think the record speaks for itself. Uh you know, a lot of times is the game is is about. The game is about championships and wins and losses. And for a long period of time, man, he just had as great a run as any coach uh, in in history in the small market uh, of San Antonio, which is now the seventh largest city, I guess, in the country. But it's not that small anymore. But uh, look at his record. His record speaks for itself.
0: What does it say that his tentacles are all across the NBA in the coaching tree? You see Taylor Jenkins, who came from that program, Mike Budenholzer, Quinn Snyder, all sorts of NBA coaches that got their start or have spots, places. You yourself were a Craig Popovich acolyte. What does it mean to see him as the head coach there and see his influence throughout the league?
2: Well, I think the key is a lot of us. We were always students of the game. We fed off of each other. Uh, the way we played the game, we weren't the most athletic guys. You know, the Steve Kerrs of the world. And now you got um, Sam Presty, who who's now in the front office. So whether you worked in the front office or you played on the court, it was always about you know the 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 education of basketball and knowing how to communicate with people and get the best out of yourself, get the best out of your teammates. Uh, And that San Antonio program has just been an enormous pipeline uh, for coaches to go off, players to become coaches, executives to get bigger jobs and better jobs in other places. And it's all because of that basketball and cyclopedia of knowledge that just surrounded you when you're in San Antonio.
0: What was your relationship like with him as a player?
2: It was uh was up and down as during certain periods until we really got set on, you know, what exactly we were doing. Um, you know, when when Pop took over, you know, we we were in the midst of having a really, you know, down season. But once we got going and we we spent so much time together off the court, just communicating on how we wanted to function, uh, the way we traveled, the way we practiced, the way we worked in the community, um, on the court, last three minutes of the game, where does the ball need to go? What's the expectations? How do we handle adversity? Uh, we, we just had to spend so much time together behind the scenes until we finally got the culture set to a point where it doesn't matter whether Tony Parker came in or Manu, Robert Ory Bruce Bowen, they came into expectation on how the team functioned on and off the court, and everybody bought in.
0: And I'm glad that it recovered because didn't he cut you at a wedding?
2: Oh yeah, that was <laughs> that was old. That's old news. He he didn't cut me. He just came to give me the bad news, but um <laughs> that was uh that was old news and but that actually again made our relationship stronger because um you know he he was the type of guy that could give you the good news and the bad. News.
0: Well and as a coach being honest right is the biggest thing that you want as a player cutting through everything that is happening him being very direct has to help in the communication between player and coach and lends to the success that he has.
2: Absolutely. I think the communication and the trust of your players is critically important on any level or in business. You know, here at Avery Capital, my business, I'm just basically coaching another team that's in private equity um, with six or seven folks here on the team. But the way I communicate with them, the trust, the commitment, the consistency, whether you're in basketball or uh or business, a lot of those uh a lot of those synergies, it tra- is transferable. Um so that's very important. You gotta have discipline, determination, details. You gotta you 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 have to have expertise and competence at what your role is and you have to star in your role. So whether it's here in in business where I've pivoted or whether it's on the basketball court, or if you're a coach, all of those, all of those um, things are important to the success and lifeline uh, of a basketball program. Coaching staff having success, or even if you're in business.
0: One last thing before I let you go: What was it like to go against John Stockton at the point guard position?
2: Oh man, it was always, um, it was a grind. You had to be prepared. You know, he was tough, savvy, smart, fierce. Um, You know, he could beat you with the pass. He could beat you scoring Uh, defensively. It it was very, very physical. Uh, Back during that era, there was no freedom of movement in this new area. So uh, when you went in the locker room after the game, you felt like you were in the fight, and uh, but as we matured, because they owned us for so many years, as we matured and got better and fought through adversity, um, then we were just like a we were like a nonstop train. They couldn't they couldn't touch us for years. They couldn't touch us, but they they basically trained us and taught us what it meant to have that type of intestinal fortitude. And if you went into utah and you weren't ready to play you were going to get embarrassed and you were subsequently going to get technical fouls you were going to be frustrated they'll beat you by 20 the jazz fans went crazy so we made it a point when we hit that level of uh, maturity we said first guy to get a technical foul in the first half you're, you're going to get fined because you have to play through adversity that's what we did. We broke through and we had many a years. I don't know how many years it was, but we had, uh, we had a serious consecutive win streak against the jazz and it was all their fault because they beat up on the soul. <laughs> <laughs> so you, bl- you uh, blame
0: John Stockton setting those wide screens for the. Call Malone, alone. Call him alone. Call, him yeah. alone.
2: call him alone. But no, it was fun playing against them. They were a well-oiled machine and uh, now they got a, you know, a bunch of young guys uh, that's playing now and, you know, uh, happy to see that uh, Will Hardy's there and got my old young fella that played for me, Jason Terry on the coaching staff and, and uh, having a chance to work with Colin. I, uh, I wish him nothing but the best.
0: CBS sports basketball analyst Avery Johnson on the podcast on utahjazz.com. Avery, thank you so much for taking the time.
2: Thank you.
3: Thanks for having me. Boy, did we hear an entertaining um, post game, uh, I guess, press conference from Lowry and Walker Kessler. I guess those two together is going to become uh, a thing. And <laughs> they're funny.
0: Jazz, Key, and Peel. I have uh, been in the locker room when they're just shouting at each other when they do their post-game scrums, when they aren't at the podium. And Lowry's on one end of the locker room, Walker's right when you walk in, and they are going back and forth at each other, just sniping one another. What
3: would you think about Walker's three-point uh, bucket tonight? They talked a lot about that. Apparently we didn't get the, the celebration that is eventually going to happen.
0: I remember I was watching that skills challenge uh, where he was doing it with Jordan Clarkson, Colin Sexton, he was shooting that stroke, that three-pointer. And, um, yeah, he better show a, a celebration next time. That was the one thing every All-Star break, you would ask Rudy, hey, are you going to get a three up in this All-Star game? And he'd say, maybe, and he would never do it. Finally. Big man who shoots. Well, I'll
3: tell you what, if if he can turn into a functional shooter where where he can space the floor a little bit, that will be – that will be a real significant.
0: We might be a little far off from that
3: evolution in his game. Yeah, I, I don't think that's coming. I don't think that's coming tomorrow. And honestly, he probably needs to to start with the foul line, and then work his way out from there. Uh, yeah. All right, let's go back downstairs. Here's uh, Taylon Horton Tucker.
4: Um, Approach-wise, I wouldn't say it was too much too different. Uh, just you know, preparing uh, to get in the game a lot earlier, start, and make sure everything's in order. I just wasn't feeling the you know, best to start the game. So just trying to, you know, get back into the rhythm, coming off of breaking everything like that. So, What
0: do you mean not
5: feeling your best?
4: Um, just honestly, I felt a little sick today. Mm-hmm. But um, just trying to, you know, continue to play through it and not making excuses for anything. Uh, and uh, just trying to play. So.
1: How surprised were you uh, by that opening play of the game, bringing up Walker for that corner three? Uh, I wasn't surprised at all. You know, with was the first
4: conversation I had with Walker. I asked him, Do he like to roll or pop? And he told me he likes to pop. So
0: <laughs>
4: uh, I'm not surprised by it at all. So, yeah.
0: First conversation you had at first all? First
4: conversation. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> the summer, yeah, when I first got traded. When did you find out he was lying? <laughs> uh, <laughs> obviously, he ain't lying. All right. uh, it only took 60
1: games to get to it.
4: Yes, uh, but yeah, just seeing, you know, knowing that he's always been able to shoot that and just get an opportunity to show everybody now has uh, been great for him. So I was excited to be able to make the pass.
1: Obviously, you made a pretty big play at the end of regulation, too. What's it like to have a guy who's like that good a rim protector playing by? Um, it's just like playing, you know, like
4: how the other teams have, the other teams here have Rudy, and they just basically filtered everything to him. Uh, you know, with him being younger and already, you know, like, having that type of skill speaks to about him and how hard he works. Thanks, so. All right,
3: there you go. That is uh, Talon Horton-Tucker. And uh, tonight, J.P., uh, Taylor was in the starting lineup. Had uh, nine points. Didn't shoot well. Two of eleven shooting. One of six from three. But his uh, his streak of having great assist games continues. He had six assists tonight. Uh, four turnovers, which you don't love seeing. But he also grabbed seven boards. He, uh, you know what? He's he's making the most of the opportunity he's getting.
0: It was much better in the second half. Yes. Also, I mean, the first half was a little bit rough. And shooting on the eyes for the entire game for everybody was a little rough. Especially with the shot doctor, Chip England, on uh, the sideline for OKC. You remember Chip England? He helped fix Kawhi Leonard's yeah, shot. in San Antonio. He was in yeah. San Antonio forever, did that. He probably didn't enjoy watching this game as far as the way that these two teams shot. But, Taylor Horton Tucker, it's we're going to find out a lot about him over this next 20 games, see how much he can play, how he would do things if he hand him the keys, as a point guard, I thought he represented himself pretty well. Four turnovers going against ones. He's probably a backup point guard right now for this team with the role that he's been given because he didn't know how he was going to be playing day-to-day when you have Mike Conley and Colin Sexton ahead of him in a lineup. And then Nikhil Alexander-Walker was also biting in on his playing time as well. He's got much bigger opportunity, and if he can keep those turnovers down – He can show himself to be a really good contributor for this team. I like the little flashes that we've seen. The Knicks game that he had where he had a good floor game. He continues to show those improvements, and that's going to go a long way.
5: It seems to change on a nightly basis, and it seems that when you get a guy like Chris Dunn, I just want to know what that looks like for him going forward, J- JP. Like, what is the next thing for him? Like, how is it that he fits in long-term to this? Or, I mean, long-term for this season, the long of the short-term yeah. of this. Like, where does he fit in? Because he's one of these guys – and add him to the list of you know scores it feels like it's been this year of, of a guy who will just show up, and he'll be the energy, and he will bring something different, and he's a Will Hardy kind of guy. He's a jazz DNA kind of guy. He's trying to play his way back into an NBA rotation that's significant. So what does a, a future look like for him? Is it, a, is it the next 10-day contract that he's working toward, and then what? Then what after that for Chris Dunn?
0: He's working for that next 10-day contract, and he knows that as he's playing – even more teams are watching these games and realizing what he's doing because he can provide something at an NBA skill and seeing his offense and the way that he's been in control and not played out of himself offensively. That's something that if you're looking at an NBA player, how realistic are they with their game? And do they do the things that highlight what they're good at? That's what you saw from Chris Dunn tonight. That's why he scored so much because he's good at attacking the rack but shooting, like if you saw him throw six three-pointers up tonight, that's not within his game. You do not <laughs> want to see that. He cannot shoot straight from the perimeter. But the fact that he's attacking the, the basket and getting shots at the rim, finishing, that goes a long way to proving to yourself that I can go more than a 10-day contract. I can finish the season with the team.
5: Let's walk you down to the locker room and Walker Kessler standing by his locker answering questions in the post game here. You don't come back? Yeah, no,
1: I think it was it was pretty important. Yeah. Um you know that's, that's kind of what what i do um so just i don't like people scoring my paint though you know did not want them to score my paint to win as good a night as you had it seemed like you had a lot of success oh my gosh. when they went yeah to, yeah like uh, that God. small ball yeah, yeah, yeah. No wow. what did you see out of that group um i think with the small ball you know allowing us to, to switch on the screens is you know it kind of gives a different look to the to the opposing team um and obviously all those guys are really good offensively and you know they're really good defenders as well. And the only thing like you could say is like, oh, when you go small like rebounding, but they're all great at just being scrappy and you know not letting guys get the boards. Uh, I noticed start of the game you had you had an open three on the wing. And you yeah. Went, you went for the dunk face instead. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I like staying at the top of the league in percentage three point percentage. So you know <laughs> I'm gonna stick with that for a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> Uh, there wasn't design three like like last game then no it was it's not a design start. three no that was a that was a designed play well maybe one day we'll we'll see it come back out, but for right now we're gonna kind of stick to what we do
5: There's Walker Kessler. you love hearing that stuff, right? It's just like let's let's keep it rolling keep those keep those bombs
0: coming keep, Walker. we love it. He got a play, ran for him in the first play of the game (laughs) against OKC. He should be clamoring for more three-point opportunities. You were at uh, All-Star Saturday night, right? Yes. Where he was sinking threes from the corner. Absolutely. You know, I talked to Bruce Pearl on the podcast, and he said when he was recruiting Walker, Walker was shooting threes in high school. He was more of a perimeter-oriented guy.
5: He even said he didn't. He's like, I didn't even play defense in high school. Like, <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Oh. That
0: comes later when you start to realize, how am I going to stay on the floor? Seven feet tall, I better start blocking some shots.
5: And he does. 11 blocked shots tonight, by the way, for the Jazz as a team. Uh, five of those credited to uh, Walker Kessler. So uh, while it took a minute to get going, that type of energy ends up showing up. Uh, and, and a team like the San Antonio Spurs who are outmatched normally under the hoop. But we just we, we got a dose of Udoka Azabuke in the in the first half that, you know, once you go, Okay, how long is how long is this gonna happen? When does Walker Kessler come back in the game and and uh you know, how how often do you get to see dope uh in the first half for that kind of a stretch? You know, that's just something that he's being asked to do and you didn't see him, you know, that's something that Walker or that uh that Will Hardy wants out of out of Doke he goes like I'm I'm we're going to keep throwing you some minutes here uh but you every guy is asked to do something different I Simone Fontecchio came in and gave you 13 yeah. minutes and 11 points and he and he hit threes and you're like okay and he doesn't and and he had a bad stretch where he wasn't hitting those three pointers and Will Hardy said hey keep shooting it man and they don't they don't let you shoot them if they don't say You're allowed to shoot them you know they they want you to do your thing if that's what you're supposed to be
0: doing that's the realistic part of the nba realizing where you are in your journey what am i good at how do i stay on the floor i go back to this story every time i think about this where george niang he was being coached up by alex jensen and george was at a point where he joined the team in summer league and he was falling out he was like a 20 point per game scorer when i was watching him down in vegas And in the NBA, is it going to be that? Absolutely not. But he goes to Alex Jensen, AJ says to him, you stand in the corner and you hit 40% of these threes and you defend just well enough at your position, you're going to get minutes in the league. And that's what he did. That's what George did and sculpted his game to do when he got to the big club and when he was playing with the Jets.